Welcome to another episode of the Hot Hot Hoops Podcast, Playoff Edition. I'm your host, Brandon Aperno, joined today, as always, by uh, senior writer Matt Hannafin. Matt, the Heat got it done. They're on to the Eastern Conference Finals for a second year in a row, this time as the eighth seed. Uh, Still don't know the opponent, but, um, you know, got the the job done against the Knicks. Uh, Let's talk about it, man. Hit me with your likes, dislikes. Hit me with everything. Well, well, first, first, I want to introduce a few. I want to introduce like a scenario for you, and like guess guess the result. Like if if these arbitrary parameters happened, if I just were to introduce you to these without any other additional context, what do you think the result would be? And so the the first one I'm going to pose is Miami got out rebounded. Yep. They. They faced an opponent with a player who scored more than 40 points. Um, Scott Foster was officiating. And they shot 7 to 27 from three. What do you think the result of that game would be for the Miami? Well, generally, I'd say like coupled all together, uh, all of those factors involved. I don't think the Heat have won a game. In that context, like even Scott Foster, they had uh, in the ten last or in the ten previous games that he'd refed, the Heat had lost. Um, I don't think the Heat had won a game in the playoffs where they were out rebounded. <laughs> I don't think they'd won a game where an opponent scored over forty points. So you know, as Pat Riley once said, <laughs> there are tons of obstacles, but there are none. And uh, you know, um, yeah, yeah. I guess Miami shouldn't have won this game, but they did. And they're on to the next round. Well, I mean, to introduce the additional context, the Knicks also shot like poo. They shot 38% from the floor, 29 from deep. They were 10 of 35. Uh, Jalen Brunson shot 14 of 22 from the floor, and we'll get into him in a little bit. The rest of their team made 13 field goals combined. And so he had more than, he had over half his team's field goals in that game. Uh, well, Miami yeah. got. Obviously, I mean, good efforts from Jimmy Bam, who we'll touch into. Kyle Lowry was awesome. Uh, Caleb Martin, uh, Struess, et cetera, et cetera. But regardless, you know, it, I think just under only... those parameters, like Miami, you wouldn't think Miami would win the game. And yet no. they were able to squeak away some 90s scrappy performance. And uh, I don't know if you uh, heard or watched Spose post game but he said that was an ode to to pat yeah he did especially I, I with did, the uh with how low scoring it was and given the opponent of course well you know it's it's funny to me uh because it really it was the miami heat versus three knicks players in my opinion yeah. watching that game it was the heat versus jalen brunson the heat versus josh hart and the Heat versus Isaiah Hartenstein. And I say that uh, only because he was the only one interrupting Bam on the uh, – on- uh, Okay. I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say Randall. I was like, no, Miami no. won that. Because matchup. I can't – I it's like, yeah, they did. But I can't say that Julius Randall had that much an effect on the game despite his 15 and 11 when he yeah. shot three for 14 from the field. You know what I mean? That's a big – Yeah. Point. That can't happen. Um, I mean like – he was like the heat, the heat were letting letting him shoot, but uh, Hardenstein, man, like it's one of those things. Uh, just watching him out there, it's like, like in just different instances of Lowry, you can't categorize a lot of it in box score. Uh, but he, in the third quarter especially, was uh, frustrating the hell out of Bam. 
uh, and Bam had just got and that had that amazing second quarter run, right? So when he came out, he frustrated him a little bit, kind of stalled Bam because Bam was Bam had seven. I think he had seventeen points in the first half, if I'm not mistaken. It's either fifteen or seventeen. I don't remember yeah. the exact number, but it was it was something around there. Yeah, and he was he was surging. So like, I gotta credit that guy for at least slowing Bam down to a degree. Yeah, it was seventeen. Yeah. So, so yeah. And like he, he had those, uh, uh, he stripped a bam and it was a clean strip, uh, one of the times. And he was just like, he's frustrated on the key. And, uh, you know, I, I gotta give, I gotta give big ups for the hustle plays. Um, and you know, like the Knicks should really look to keep Josh Hart because, uh, number one, he's a good defender. Number two, he's incredibly efficient. Um, and you know, if, uh, it probably could have been a different game if he actually, uh, hit his, uh, hit his threes. Um, there is one thing I want to talk about before we get into likes and dislikes. No, okay. no, I'm going to save it for dislikes. We can, we can totally move on. Wow. You're putting, you're, you're, you're going to make me, you're going to, you're putting this in a tease, man. Oh, I know. I know. But yeah, man, um, let's move on to the next segment. Hit me with your likes and dislikes for this one. Uh, I mean, I mean, obviously the shooting is little, we can touch on that for the umpteenth time that we've done this. I mean, just the shooting, like when there was a stretch, I think it was maybe in the third quarter or fourth quarter where Miami just couldn't separate itself. And like, they had chances to like, okay, they're up by one to two possessions. They have a really, they have a really good opportunity to separate themselves. And the majority of their shots were from beyond the arc, at least during this, this arbitrary sequence that I'm thinking of in my head. And they weren't able to separate. But then on the other side, you have the Jalen Brunson factor. Every single time Miami tried to separate themselves, Jalen Brunson would either get in a lane with that that floater that he just didn't miss, or he he would he would create offense in a way that Miami just couldn't stop, no matter how many bodies they were throwing at him. And that's just a credit to Jalen Brunson's brilliance throughout the series, especially these last Dude two is games. a stud, a stud, and absolute stud. Um, yeah. But. I loved what I saw from Bam. Like, I loved what I saw from Bam. And especially especially in that second quarter, in the non-Jimmy minutes, Bam was phenomenal. And I think, again, this is just goes to the testament. Like, Bam, as you, uh, as you tweeted during the game, you tweeted at me being like, Bam's capable of this every game. He is capable of this every game when he's being put in the positions to have this happen to him. Like, He's putting him, not just putting himself in positions, but teammates were also setting him up to be in those positions, especially Kyle Lowry. And that creates, creates, I I know we had a whole segment planned for Bam, but we're just going to tackle it now. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's just, it it just like, I loved what I saw from him. And me too. Especially defensively, like he was a a effing menace on Julius Randle really throughout this entire series, but especially um, in game six. And, Julius Randle, kind of his the mental fortitude aspect of all that, and like how he plays offense with the isolation ball and the stepbacks and everything, like that's a problem in and of itself. But Bam was really good, and he was forcing him to take those shots. Well, that's and why. Some, he shot and I get Julius Randle's favorite shot is sometimes the toughest shot, but nevertheless, Bam, I think throughout this entire series, and especially, I was just going to say throughout the entire series, he was just really good defensively, and. Over these last two games, he was really good offensively. I mean, twenty three and nine. I don't think does him enough justice. If I'm being completely honest with you, I agree. Um, I think uh, I do think Bam is capable of this every game. But like you said, it's when the teammates set him up. But it's like if the teammates are setting up Bam to have games like this, that's winning basketball. 
you know. Exactly. hundred percent. And I, you know, it was one of the reasons why, like I was bummed when Kyle got sent to the reserve role, uh, just because I want him orchestrating with Bam all the time. Like the way, the way he worked with Bam in this game is something that I've been frothing at the mouth for forever. Right. Um, just because I think yeah. the two man game with the two of them are, is fantastic. It's just, uh, yeah. Um, if Jimmy is injured, uh, and we'll talk about that later. The guy, the guy is, is hurt and he still is masterful, but he's hurt. But Bam isn't. And Bam is that ultra athletic center that doesn't really exist. I mean, like you could play 2K with Bam and you can get by people with a dribble just because he has that speed. You know, I'm like, it's the one like video game thing that I think is translate uh, or the <laughs> one real life thing that I feel is translated into to video game them very well. Uh, but it, it's one of the things that he just has, you know? So you saw like people, people tuning into the Miami Heat for the first time this season to watch that game or, you know, someone who's unfamiliar probably look at that and say like, Oh my God, this is, this is Kevin Garnett 2.0. You know, like look on the at the offensive that. glass, man. He had multiple putbacks, like yeah, and like uh, you know, and the middies where he was hitting the middies, yeah. Like it's man, I have a video. Um, I watched D Wade's last game in Toronto, and um, I, 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 you know, I was I was thankful to sit as close as I did in that game, um, because it was just spectacular. Uh, but Bam was a bit. This was Bam's rookie. I think this was rookie year. Uh, or, well, last game in Toronto was it would have been nineteen. So, so yeah, so his sophomore year. It's either sophomore. It's either his third, second, or third year. Okay, whatever the case, Whiteside's still on the team. I think it, I, now that I think about, it, I think it was his second year, but I can double check. Yeah, Let's yeah, it, I I think you're right. I think it was his second year because he played one year without D Wade. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in any case, sorry, listeners. Um, I'll get, I'll get, I'll get to the, I'll get to the point. Um, you know, that ball game uh, was, was really close near the, uh, down the stretch. And, um, they ended up going to James Johnson for, for three. You know, that three obviously bricked, but Bam, Bam bought the rebound and put it up, uh, basically to win the game. And it just was on his fingers a little bit too long. You know, so end up going over time and the heat loose and that kind of canceled out our playoff chances that year with D Wade. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, I was sitting pretty close. So I just referred to that videotape because I'm like, man, what I saw from Bam is what I saw then, you know, which is a man who is unafraid to be that guy in the big moments, you know, and I think he's taken a step back because uh, to Jimmy's alpha dog, you know, um, a lot, but like he stepped up last game and the heat won because of it. Uh, in my opinion. Um, and anyway, that whole, uh, tirade on that, that game is just, is just saying like, Bam has that dog in him when he needs to. Yep. And like, even in games, like, I think the playoff narrative for Bam is tired. And I mentioned it like, it's so times. annoying sometimes, dude. It's so, it's annoying. just cause, it's cause not everything appears in the offensive box score, yep. you know, especially when you have a, like, I'd say Bam is a defensive minded player first. And that's not a bad thing. No. Um, and it's one of the reasons why Spo scoffs at like a lot of, uh, the, the, uh, yeah. the press conference things. It's like, oh, could, could Bam play better, been more aggressive? He's like, Spo says, like, you don't understand how he impacts winning. So anyway, um, likes and dislikes. Bam Adebayo's big game, the Bam game, major like. Yeah. No, I, that's, that's probably a top my list. Um, again, I think another, I guess, 
thing that I did like was Miami's physicality defensively. Um, and let me just shout out Kyle Lowry for a second. He was, especially in that third and fourth quarter, he was really good defensively. Um, yes, Matt. And good. Let <laughs> Lowry love flow through you. No, it's just that, like, we've given so I mean, not I say we, meaning like me and probably everyone else other than you have given Kyle at some points this season. And we, were, we were critical of him. We were critical of him. Um, and I think it's important to, again, recognize that Kyle has been really, again, we've said it before. Like you and I have throughout these playoffs, he's been really impactful defensively, Absolutely. and just and he's just been a he's just been a really impactful player these playoffs. Um, I know Kyle isn't the greatest point of attack defender in the world. That's fair. He's he's older. He's he's he he's lost quickness. Like I think that's fair to admit. But I think this postseason, especially with like the the key strips and the key steals and the saves out of it, like. He's been really, really impactful on that and specifically. And I think it's fair to acknowledge that. And I think Miami just in general was, this is a game six of a playoff series between two teams who operate slowly or have two just physical, um, they're just two physical teams. Like Miami was just the more physical team this game. And I thought that really showed, especially late in that game. And, um, I, I just that's one thing I really liked is just when when your backs were against the wall, not their, their backs weren't against the wall. I mean, they were down 14, 15 in the first quarter. Yeah, um, the resiliency and, and able to fight back uh, after that point and kind of force New York to do outside of Jalen Brunson, kind of force New York to do uh, what they didn't want to do. I mean, they were knocking down some pretty big shots in the first quarter. So that's also like fair to point out the, the shot making was pretty phenomenal from them yeah. in that quarter. But just no. in general, outside of Brunson, Miami kind of forced New York to do stuff that they didn't want to do uh, with their shot selection. And I think a part of that was just, they were more physical. It felt like Miami came out and they weren't sleepwalking, but just, it was a little, like it was it, it kind of like the momentum carried over from game five. And it yeah. took one quarter for, I mean, it took one quarter for them to really find their rhythm. And I thought that that's something to point out. And I think that's something that's noteworthy. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I, I agree with that. Um, I have a, I have a wrinkle in that, but um, before I get to it, I'll, I'll kind of talk about the kind of the identity of this heat team because it was with. That's what, that's, that's what I was looking for. Physical identity. Yeah, yeah. Both teams no, have I a think, physical identity. I'm losing. I'm losing my words this morning. No, it's okay. Regardless, <laughs> it's it's fine, dude. Um, if you look back to the, like the 30 and 11 Heat, uh, and the team that came after that, that uh, that added D Wade at the trade deadline, their identity was that they never gave up. Like they could be down by 20 and they would never give up. You know, and like Heat teams always have a different identity. It took me a while to figure out the identity of this Heat team, but this Heat team wears you down. And right. I think is the best way to put it. Uh, it's the physicality. It's the, it's, you know, it's Bam being a menace, Kyle being super annoying, you know, Jimmy just, uh, you know, scoring you to death at a certain point. They will wear a team down. They did it. They almost did it the game in uh, game five, uh, when they brought things within two after being down a significant margin. Like they will find a way to wear you down. Now the physicality is an aspect of it. And I think, uh, in some ways it's fantastic because they can wear down a team, especially when they're coming from behind. 
and yep. and you know and get an opportunity to be in a clutch situation like they spent all of the regular season in to close out now sometimes that works and sometimes you get Gabe Vincent throwing an absolute elbow into Jalen Brunson's face and almost costing us the game. Uh, so that was my major dislike because you have to know, you got to know when to fold them. Um, that but, was, where were you, where was your mind at once that happened? Uh, pure panic. <laughs> this is the, I think the best way I could describe it. Um, but that's when, you know, that's when the veteran presence of a Lowry and that kind of thing, the heat don't panic, I think is a big thing. Like down major, major, uh, numbers down 14 or whatever. They don't panic. They just keep, they stick to their game plan. A lot of that is just because Spo is an exceptional coach and he's making sure that they don't panic. But also, you know, you guys, you have guys who've been in this situation. You know, it's a, it's a why, it's a why I want to keep certain players on the team. You know, like we were, I think everyone, uh, everyone was in on trading Lowry. You know, now, now I'm not so sure. I don't even want Kevin Love off this team. Because I think he's, I think he's a really, really good locker room presence. And I think his shot will recover. You know, it's like, I think you get a, you know, what's the best way to describe this? It's like, it's, you know, you mix and match and that kind of thing. And when you get good locker room presence and you still got UD there too, you know, that's, that's what's, that's what separates, that's what separates the heat team. Cause it's like, it's not all about what's happening on the floor. You know, it's, it's guys have to you know it's managing personalities in this in this game at, at this level and it's like guys have to be ready they have to be ready to come in like like a duncan for example who's been out of the rotation forever and then just dropped 17 points in game five you know that's yeah. like uh and having a good locker room and players that have bought in is what's responsible for that kind of thing in my opinion but uh yeah uh physical identity i think they i think they uh they wear they wear teams down um because of their slow pace and physicality and uh you know they're scrappy man and that's kind of what you want from a heat team i mean look i think we're just all along for the ride because there's very 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 few people who predicted that the heat would even go this far um i mean i think you and i were on the well is it even worth making the playoffs train uh just uh just a few a couple months ago i wanted to make the playoffs but my take was I wouldn't be incredibly upset. Like I wouldn't be as upset as I usually would be if they didn't from like a fan's perspective. Like I obviously want this team to make the playoffs whenever they can. That's always just been my mindset as like, like the fan side of me, but just, just based on how this season went, like you look at it on paper and being like, okay, if you win this game, you go up against the bucks. Like it, Again, it's still a playoff setting. Anything can happen as we saw, but I didn't have high hopes for Miami anyways. And so I think that's like, I wouldn't have been as upset if they lost. Uh, no, I, I'd play, like, at I, least the second playing game, but like, I want, I wanted them to make the playoffs. Like that was my, that was my thing. I, I, I'm I sure was, plenty of people felt differently. Yeah, I think everyone was like, uh, you know, and it was my sentiment for a little bit too. Um, I was worried that we'd get a repeat of the Bucks sweep from just a couple years ago. I was worried about that too. I was worried about that too. I was painful. I think that's fair to be worried about that at that time. Yeah, yeah, and it made sense. We're the wor- like one of the worst teams in the playoffs, barely skated in down to the Bulls at the wire in the second playing game, going against the best team in the NBA. I think uh, I think everyone was really concerned, but hell, hell. Doesn't matter now. That's in the past. The Heat are on to the second 
uh, <laughs> you know, the second back-to-back Eastern Conference uh, finals appearance. But I think there's something that we need to talk about. And, you know, um, at least he's had some time to heal, put him in the hyperbolic chamber, a la Dragon Ball Z. Uh, but Jimmy was not looking great out there. And despite that, um, he still oh. put up 24, 8, and 4. And seven of twenty-two. Jimmy Butler, man, ten of eleven from the free throw line. Um, you know, like ninety-third percentile in usage, and just you know, I think I think people watching Jimmy from the first round to this round was probably like, why isn't he doing traditional Jimmy things? He wasn't driving to the rim and looking for contact. He was being incredibly selective about his shots. You know, the bank shot. Um, you know, some floaters. He was protecting his ankle pretty much the whole time. I think there was one dunk in the beginning of the game. And I'm like, Oh, Jimmy looks okay. And then like, after that, I'm like, Oh, maybe not. Um, and I mean, I think if you've been on heat Twitter or just Twitter in general, the last couple of days, you've seen Jimmy in flip flops and, uh, everyone zoomed in on his ankle, which is, does look pretty swollen still. So I think, um, uh, I think we've got to speak to the fact that Jimmy's obviously not right and can still put up numbers like this. That's, that's something else. Yeah, I was watching game six, and I probably said to myself either probably sometime in the second half, I was like, he looks like he's going at 70% out there. Yeah. And, yeah, like, no, you could just, like, if you if you lock in and watch his movements, it's just not, like, you can tell he's he was he was in pain. And, of, of course, as we have also talked about before, everyone's banked up, but I think Jimmy at this point is clearly more banged up than the rest of the players that he's playing with on the floor. Um, but Jim, again, as we also, as we talked about before, I mean, he's played through injuries before in the playoffs. And so this isn't like new from him, but yeah, he was very, very selective and very, very cautious. And like you, you would you say to yourself during these games, like they better close this out this time so he can get that many more days of rest. Or at least it would have been two extra full days of rest. If that were the case. Um, now oh, they're it. going. Now they're going into this uh, Eastern Conference Finals with, I think, what four full days rest. Yeah, game one is what on Wednesday. Wednesday night, yeah. Wednesday yeah. night at eight thirty Eastern. Yeah. Um, it would leave like, so much time for treatment. Right, but like you still want as much rest as possible. I mean, that's that, that was also like if you if you were a fan. The frustrating part about game five, like they came within two points, they couldn't close it out. And you watch this Boston Philly series and you're just like, man, like they could have had, again, X amount of days of rest more if they were to just won that game. But that's neither here nor there. They were able to close it out and there is no game seven on Monday. And so Jimmy's able to have that extra rest. But yeah, I mean, he again, I still thought there were definitely moments where he was like, good defensively and he he had some pretty important shots late in that game but he did look like he was going at 70 to 75 percent it's just like oh boy like they better close this out or something oh yeah something's got to happen in their favor or whatever the case is like because he just was not like you could again you could just tell that he was not moving right out there at least from what we've seen Jimmy move like when he is 100%. It was just – you could tell there was a noticeable drop-off and difference. Yeah, it's just it's just funny to me that 100% Jimmy Butler is 37 points a game, like averaging close to D-Wade final statistics, right. and then 70% Jimmy Butler is still 24, 8, and 4. It's like that's not, that's not too shabby. Um, but, yeah, no, hopefully he has enough time to kind of heal up a little bit. Like 
Jimmy's good at managing ankle injuries because he's had so many of them like right. uh, throughout his heat tenure. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um, before we jump into the last segment, which is just kind of talking about who you want to face next round or who the Heat should feel comfortable facing next round. The Rockets. Um, <laughs> I just, uh, you know, um, I wanted to draw attention because we touched on it briefly. Just to the masterful performance by Jalen Brunson because I feel like it's going to get forgotten uh, in the Heat win. And, um, like, I know we mentioned it before, but, like, man, this guy wasn't even an all-star. And, you know, Mark Cuban uh, is probably kicking himself right now watching a performance like that on the big stage because, I mean, it was just – I, the guy was unstoppable. He yeah. just – like, the Heat were throwing everything at him, and he just kept put- – and, and Brunson's banged up too. Yeah, yeah, you know? the and it's like, game five, I think, game yeah. four, game five. But yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's easy to forget that the Heat had this man in foul trouble early. Yeah. And, you know, so Brunson not only like withstood that to come at, you know, um, to still put up that many points, but also manage himself to not get any more fouls and stay in the game. And then, you know, and to just put up a performance like that. I mean, like the shot selection, like though they were not high percentage shots, but he was just, you know, it'll say it goes back into the hot hand theory, in my opinion. But, you know, talk to me about Jalen, man. What did you, what'd you like? And, you know, I, I or actually, I want to say one more thing. Stephen A was saying that they should get Dame. Like, you have a, a Jalen Brunson's right there, dude. You have a point guard who just dropped like 41 points, but hey, I, I digress. I'll, I'll let you speak. No, yeah, that's Stephen A. Uh, his rant on his own Twitter page. And then he had a similar one on ESPN, I think during, it's either during the halftime show of the Lakers Warriors game or it was before that. But regardless, it was still, um, I guess from our perspective, funny. So please go check that out if you can. Uh, but Jalen was, Jalen was phenomenal. Um, I walked into the series thinking he was a really good player. I said it on this podcast before I walked out of that series thinking he's a great player. Um, and I think Spo talked about it in post game, and I, he so pretty much took the words out of right, right out of my mouth. He's an elite competitor. Um, he's an absolute gamer. He was he was the only Knicks player that felt like just like was continuously coming at you and just wasn't backing down regardless of um, the task at hand. And I mean, fourteen of twenty two from the floor, five of ten from deep. He had twenty two first half points, forty one points in total. Um, he was practically like the only reason why they were in that game. If I'm being completely honest with you, despite Miami shooting as poorly as they did. Uh, and he was getting, again, he was getting to his spots whenever he wanted. He played 45 minutes. He was getting into the lane. He was creating separation, whether it was against Gabe Vincent or Caleb Martin or even Kyle Lowry, like regardless of who he was going up against or even like Jimmy, like, he was he was getting to his spots when he wanted to, and Miami was throwing the kitchen sink at him practically for these last two to three games, and he was still responding with the same result, and that was getting buckets. And it was just like, geez, like, can this guy stop from a Heat fan perspective? But he was not stopping. And he again, he was just he was outstanding. Going back to the Cuban thing, I still think there is I think I don't know if I've talked about it on here before, but I think he was pretty much all but gone from Dallas after his Did dad. Did you not leave uh, learn your lesson with Steve Nash? Well, well, like I like I think there's still merit to like I think he was going to leave Dallas anyway after Tibbs grabbed his dad. 
True. I, it was it was just more or less like a like yeah. The money you know, thing is definitely something. The extension, right? Like yeah. I, yeah, you're right. There might not be any truth to it, but it's like if he would have accepted an extension midseason, like that kind of yeah. thing, then it's like you should have jumped on that. Uh, just yeah. just based on his performance in the WCF uh, alone. Right. But no, he was he was phenomenal. Uh, I, again, there's just really no other like way to describe it. Uh, I gotta give credit. It's unfortunate to the that RJ and Ju- Julius were a combined four twenty four. Despite that, it at happens from a Knicks perspective. But like, like I mean, you need you need other guys to step up. But really, the only one that stepped up. I mean, Obi hit a couple of corner threes, and Josh Hart was five of ten from the floor. And it was funny enough, Jalen Brunson on that last play of the game, he he drove into that right corner, that right block was double teamed from the strong side. Josh Hart was wide open to his left from beyond the arc. And when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, like is Josh Hart going to hit another game winning shot against Miami in uh, Kaseya? And he unfortunately threw the ball to a crowded Julius Randle, Gabe Vincent tips it, Kyle Lowry corrals steal. That was all she wrote in a two point game. Miami wins the game, but like, just that moment, like I think more, I think more people were going to remember that than his actual performance, which shouldn't be the case. It should be the exact opposite. Because again, I think just Jalen himself was phenomenal. Uh, again, I walked walked into the series thinking he was a really good player, uh, but I walked out thinking he was a great player and an elite competitor. And I think he deserves all the credit and then some in the world for what he did this series against a very good and sturdy heat defense, or at least, yeah, they, they were very good and sturdy defense this series. I mean, we've criticized him at points this season, but regardless. No, no. And I, I agree. Um, I think the Knicks, uh, Knicks fans should be proud of their team. I think they came out and were competitive pretty much the entire series. Um, I do not agree with ripping down Julius Randall uh, posters um, outside. That of was tough. And, uh, but I also don't think that that small sample size represent the Knicks fandom as a whole, because I think they're a yeah, good fan base. I agree. Total. Too. I agree. Too. Um, and you know, they're, pa- they're really, really passionate fans and that makes basketball better. Um, you know, even if some of the stuff they say is outlandish, uh, they're, you know, and you know, it's, you know, the, the clowning around and stuff on social with side talk and stuff. And look, uh, even as I, fan, I did it, I, I admit it. it. I love it. It's, it's funny. It's, it's, it's funny. Uh, I have friends that are Knicks fans and, uh, you know, despite the fact that I consider them illus- delusional at times, uh, their passion, uh, speaks for the entire fan base and that's what makes basketball fun. So I'm all about it. Um, look, we only got a couple minutes left. So, um, game seven today, this afternoon. Personally, I would rather face Philly, uh, than, than Boston, but only because I really like Miami Philly matchups. Um, I think, uh, I think if both, both matchups would be really, really fun. You get a chance of revenge versus the Celtics. But for me, I'm just going to throw it out there. I, I love when Jimmy plays Philly and I want to see an Eastern Conference finals of that. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Do you think there's a world where Tobias Harris is playing that back like every, like every moment of every day before? the series or do you <laughs> you know if they um, win. From, from what i've heard tobias is one of the nicest kindest people in the nba and no one can say uh <laughs> en- enough good things about him so i don't know i don't know um i want to buy i want to see tobias harris back in a situation outside of philly personally because i think he's a very good player uh but i don't think he's replaying that uh 
that Jimmy thing. I, <laughs> it, it's like, I, you know, it's, it was a, it was a low blow by Jimbo. Um, but at the same time, I mean, time, come on, you, I yeah, would do but it at too, the same I... time. Yeah. But I think this is that actually there's only one player I think is replaying that. And I think it's Jimmy. Yeah, but probably. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you you say you would rather play Philly for the Philly yeah, heat matchups? I, I I just I enjoy that. Um, also, like I like I like to see James Harden slow decline after everybody said he was better than D Wade for a period of five years. So that's yeah, that's Eddie. also mini storyline. Uh, I mean Philly. I've I wrote about this for the site a little bit. So it was up. Or got published this morning. Please go check that out on the Hot Hoop site. Uh, I think Philly is a better matchup for Miami. Like if you're if you're thinking in a world like okay, which team should Miami want to face? I think Philly is that team. I think because just they operate at the slower pace. Uh, they're a worse rebounding team. They are a worse def- or they're they're a worse offensive team. Um, they turn the ball over more than Boston does. Like, I think they're just a better matchup for Miami. Miami likes to force a lot of turnovers, like to get in transition when they can. Uh, Boston operates at a pretty quick pace when they're able to. They have two of probably the best, or they have two, I think, elite wings. Um, and I think they have one of the best duos in the NBA in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Uh, they have one of the best eight-man rotations in the entire league. Maybe the best eight-man rotation in the entire league. Uh, and so I just think from a matchup perspective, I think Boston is obviously the more talented and the better team, but I think Philly is the better matchup just for those reasons that I indicated. Uh, Boston will shoot a crap ton of threes, and there, that's there's volatility to that. But Philly was also I – say, I say they're a better matchup for Miami, but Philly was also the most efficient three-point three shooting team in the regular season. And so I think that's also important to know, albeit on a smaller volume. Uh I mean, if I, I would rather face Philly, I mean, they have the one, they have a player that can at least put up a fight against Joel Embiid. So, uh, I mean, I don't, do I think that Miami's better than either of them just on the surface of it? No. But I think they have a better chance of beating Philly than they do Boston. But again, I think just the Boston Miami Eastern Conference Finals. We've seen that two times already in the last three years. We could see it again for the third yeah. time in four years. So, I mean, we'll see. Uh, anyway, uh, series starts on Wednesday, and uh, we'll be excited for it. But uh, thank you for listening, as always. Me and Matt love doing this, so uh, let's. Uh, we want to keep doing it longer. Like and subscribe. Give us a five star rating. All socials. And read the site. Thanks again.